on the opening night. How's a memory arising and ceasing in the heart? But on that opening night, I mentioned a famous saying of the Buddha that this heart is luminous. But because we get confused by what moves through the heart, we lose touch with this inherent radiance. And the Buddha went on to talk about that the cause of all this suffering, this birth and death, is this tendency to claim, to grasp, to possess, and imagine that this is me and mine. The various forms of our life, body, possessions, circumstances, beings, the feelings attaching to, leaning on, claiming, possessing the feelings of being pleased, what's called pleasant feeling, when we're pleased by a beautiful sight or a harmonious sound. or an agreeable taste, or a soothing smell or sensation, or a happy thought. When we take that to be me, mine, claim it, it's the source of endless birth and death. Why is that? Because if what we're leaning on, if I'm leaning on a wall because I'm tired and I seek support, then the wall gives way. I lose my balance. can even get angry at that wall. Who built that wall? (laughs) Some wall. Shouldn't even be called a wall. But our language beguiles us, doesn't it? Because we, we give names to things. Things implies a concreteness, a solidity. We call it me or my possession. When we hold on to what we want and we reject what we don't want and then lean on that, what the Buddha calls upadana, actually seek support from it or even climb up onto that condition. It's like sitting on a chair wanting, wanting to be uh, supported and then it collapses. There's a jolt. <coughs> you lean on a car out there, again, huh, a bit tired, lean on a car and someone drives it off. We, we fall down. 
That's a bad car. I'm going to lead on another one. Then someone drives that one off. That's why the this gives us a hint about what happens in 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 and how we can use meditation or misuse it. Like having a good lawyer, we get in trouble. Good lawyer springs us out of prison. We can meditate if we're not really conscious. We can get calmer and then we, we feel better, but we still don't understand what gets us into trouble. Okay, it's skillful. It's not a bad thing to have some skill at getting calm. It's not bad. It's wholesome. But the very pleasing sensation of the tranquility and calm of meditation, that too follows the laws of dharma, the laws of nature. It's anicca, it's not permanent. Every form, every feeling, every perception, every mood and formation, every activity, every moment of consciousness, of seeing, of hearing, of smelling, of tasting, Sensing, conceiving, knowing is manifesting this characteristic of ah, nicha. It's not permanent. It shifts and changes. Actually, there are no things. Last night I talked about the place of no thingness. When we imagine there's a thing, then that's something we can get hold of. When I had my hand raised up, I was a finally national wrestling champion. Again, it's not a bad accomplishment, but it's not a thing. My body that could do 500 press-ups a day and climb ropes, and I could walk on my hands for 100 yards down a football field. When I first went to Thailand, my chest was so big, the, the lay people, when I'd go on arms around, the lay women would laugh. My chest was so big, they used to think I was a girl sometimes. <laughs> then I ended up sick for 10 years. So what happened to my, my great body? Got typhoid fever. Almost died. Three years lying on the ground, on the mat. It was a major operation to get up and brush my teeth. I would brush the uppers and then be exhausted. Oh, God. Think about trying to take on the lowers. Then for another many years, really sick. So we call, I call that my body. We call it my body, but it's a way of talking. These so-called things are not things. Ah, Nietzsche, not permanent. And what is not permanent then is dukkha. Du means apart from ka, the spacious. It's not perfect. This is not a value judgment. It's not a negative comment. It's the nature of conditions that they can't satisfy us because they keep decaying, becoming otherwise not through any fault of, of anything. That's the perfection of conditions. 
But if we look for certainty, if we look for happiness, if we look for stability, if we look for who we really are in the nature of conditions, meaning in a feeling, in a circumstance, even in an insight, yes. Insights are great, the recognition. But it rises and ceases. So when we lean on that, build our house on that, get born into that, then as it changes, we, we literally create birth and death. We create suffering. In and of themselves, conditions are fine. But when we ask them to be what they can't be, oh, wouldn't it be nice if it was always nice? As our teachers used to say, it's, the, it's a child. It's all right. It's nothing wrong Wouldn't it be nice if we were always happy? Wouldn't it be nice if everything was pleasant and nobody's, no critical remarks? No unpleasant impingements. Yeah, but that's, that's not how it is. Yet when we rest on a condition expecting it to stay, It fulfills its natural condition by shifting and dissolving. And then the the frustration, we then generate anguish. We generate suffering. We generate frustration. So the vipassana is still using, steadying ourselves with calm, but also realizing this is impermanent. The calm of the nervous system is, is impermanent. We enjoy it. But then we're turning our attention to also allow some of that steadiness and calm to reveal to us so that we are disillusioned. That's, that's not a bad thing. Disenchanted. So that we can wake up from the illusion. Wake up from, the, from we're looking in the wrong place. We're just generating stress by gripping and grasping and rejecting, hoping it will stay being frustrated and hoping we can hang on to this pleasant feeling, avoid that painful feeling. When we, in a moment, recognize directly, as we're with this so-called thing, for example, the breath, In English, it's a thing. The breath, my breath. Not watching your breath, it's my breath. Then as we stay with it, noticing it, vibrate, shift, swell, and the so-called in-breath dissolves, vibrates, extends, ceases, The Buddha taught that there's tremendous, immeasurable blessing, virtue, auspicious energy in having even one moment of recognition, of change. He said it's even more meritorious than making offerings to 
countless beings, offerings of food and lodging and helping countless beings, even virtuous and awakened beings, building temples, all really good things to do. But the Buddha taught that surpassing all of that, even having one moment of recognition, for example, that my talk right now is continually dissolving, that the so-called thingness of the talk is revealing itself as each word each sound dissolves. Those moments of recognizing ahnicca, not permanent, are profound because it's creating hairline fractures in the concretization of that world out there that make us imagine that we can really get something, get somewhere else. And that When we don't see change, we really imagine we can keep success. We can keep fame. We can keep health. It's it's mine. Starting even a moment's change, that illusion, that enchantment starts to fall away as we realize what we were grasping is dissolving. As the Buddha would say, if you're grasping at air, you, you get tired after a while. You realize... Okay, we have habit. There's momentum in our grasping. And there's accumulated frustration in looking for certainty in what can't make us happy. So we need to be, the Buddha encourages us to be very kind, very patient. And even if we're not getting it, and okay, uh, the heart's luminous, original brightness, well, I sure can't find it. I'm sitting here in a in a hell realm. Can't let go. Take heart. I was very grateful our teacher Ajahn Chah would say, hey, just recognizing your clinging is 70% of it. You're honest. You can't get out of prison until you recognize you're locked up. It's a huge first step fundamental first step. And if we allow ourselves, even if we can't let go, to kindly be willing to be with a sense of struggle. That's what the Buddha called the noble truth of suffering because it ennobles the heart to learn to honestly hang out and realize we're, we're struggling. We, we, we stretch, our heart stretches and becomes more realistic, able to receive the poignancy, the suchness of this life. So being kind, being patient with ourselves, and don't underestimate the value of just letting each sound Each sound quickly reveals its impermanent nature. We bow to the one who listens at ease to the sounds of the world. The great wise and compassionate one, Kuan Yin. Each sound reveals its empty nature. Each sound reminds us 
We can't capture it. We can't possess it. It keeps dissolving back into the ground of listening. So when we bow into to the great compassionate one, we're bowing into that ground, that background, that underlying, ever-present, listening, awareness, Buddha, home territory. It's wisdom, it's our capacity to see the changing nature of things. That will take us home. Panyuttarasa Bedama. Wisdom overcomes all conditions. Wisdoms will see into the nature. Vimuttisarasa Bedama. When there's wisdom, recognizing that every sound, every feeling, and if we forget it, just come back to the breath. Let one breath teach us that everything that comes, goes. That wisdom that sees that change, that ungraspability, that fact we can't possess things, that then will reveal the spaciousness at the heart. All so-called things actually come together. They merge. They're not two. It seems like there's lots of different pieces. But actually they merge in the same way as the different waves on the sea seem so different. The big wave, the little wave, the surfing wave, the scary wave. But if we look more deeply with wisdom we realize that the waves are all part of water. They merge in the depth. They're not two. Every sound, everything are like waves in our mind. We get focused on the forms of my th- who I am and this good feeling and we're not aware that each of those is an experience that is arising and dissolving back into this sea, this underlying ocean of listening, of awareness, of presence. So in letting go, practicing, allowing things to come and go, practice allowing a breath to arise and cease, even whispering to ourselves, let go on the out-breath. Get a feeling for allowing change, which happens anyway, the change of sound, the change of thought, the change of sensation. Allowing them to come and go. As we let go, it's not getting rid of. It's letting be. Can we rest in that background, underlying, home territory that's always here anyway? Just as 
all the different trees, the pine trees, the birch trees, the oak trees, all seem so different, but where do they merge? They merge in the earth. Every leaf that falls off the tree dissolves back into the earth. Ultimately, they're not two. Can we let each experience, each sensation, like a leaf, like a branch, it appears, it exists, it stands forth, and can we let it dissolve back into the ground of our heart, of our listening, of our being, steadying ourselves with one in-breath and one out-breath, patiently, allowing ourselves to be awake as we notice it becoming otherwise every instant. As we breathing out, being with those flowing, flickering, pulsing, changing sensations. Letting them be like a mother behind a child in a swing. The child swings forth, we let go of the child, trusting. The swing will come back, we'll touch the child, receive the child. As we breathe out, letting go, resting, supported by the ground of being. Letting go with each out-breath. Touching the sounds, the thoughts, the feelings that arise. We hold them gently, touch them, but let them go because that's what they do. They change. Steadying ourselves. This cascading change. We can call it me and mine if we want, but even that's just a name. As we steady ourselves, remembering that all that comes goes, we understand one thing, we'll understand everything, every feeling every form, every mood, every circumstance. It's just the same. Practicing today, allowing things to change. Practicing relaxing with moments of hearing that flow into moments of feeling, interspersed with a thought that comes and goes, painful sensations, neutral sensations, pleasing sensations, touching them and letting be, letting go with each out-breath. resting in that place where everything merges, the 
place where everything arises and dissolves back into our own deep listening heart. especially giving time to notice the changing nature of our thoughts. It's very important. It's with our thoughts that we create the sense of me and mine, good and bad. That we create the sense of it's all wrong. It's, it's all wrong. I can't understand. Can we patiently listen to the thought, I can't understand, as it vibrates, I can't understand. It's doing perfectly what it does. It arises and ceases. Oh, maybe I do understand arises and ceases. Could I understand and not understand? Rises and ceases. The nature of thought is like a bubble, like a lightning flash, the Buddha said. It's ungraspable. Each lightning flash, you try to catch it. We get exhausted, (coughs) ungraspable. If we let it come and go, we notice it keeps merging in the background, luminosity of the sky. Every thought is like that. It's not a me. It's not a mine. It's not a thing. It's just dharma. It's nature practicing, even inviting the happy thoughts, the unhappy thoughts. (coughs) Practicing letting them burst, flash, noticing them vibrate in the heart as we slow them down and allowing them to go with each out-breath, each thought dissolves back into the silence of the heart. Reminding ourselves, every thought can remind us. 
let go. The thought itself, we notice it dissolve, reminds us to let things come and go. Reminds us to relax and trust. We're not going somewhere else. The treasure's here. Can we bear with just being with how it is? With each letting be, letting go. So as we practice today, if we get lost, the practice is only one moment away. We can always begin again by being with one in-breath, one mindful out-breath, and allow it to teach us the Dharma, that everything that comes, goes. And as we walk, that same truth with each touch of the foot, impression that dissolves, every sound touches the heart and dissipates. It's more difficult with the painful feelings. We don't want them to be there trying to get a hold of a pleasant feeling, want it to stay, and then it frustrates us. So when there's dukkha, stress, can we practice breathing in, relaxing, breathing out, and letting it reveal its changing nature. Instead of so much as me, we let it be dharma. and especially the opinions we have today about ourselves and the world. Can we begin touching our own thinking with wisdom as the, as the thoughts about ourselves reveal their changing 
selfless, empty nature. The compulsion to to grasp at something out there starts to fade. And we're more able in moments to let be and sense the peace that is at the heart of all conditions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.